Hello, my Rebels. I saw over the weekend that Jason Kenney had said, come on, everybody, get over the lockdown. Move on already. That's ancient history. Well, it's not really ancient history because right now there's a political prisoner in Alberta who's literally in prison because he opposed the lockdowns. His name is Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky. I'll take you through Kenny's statement, and I'll show you the facts that Kenny isn't mentioning. It's very disappointing. That's ahead. I'd like to invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus because I want to see the video version of this podcast. I want you to see you to see what Kenny said. I want you to see him saying it. I want to show you Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky's treatment. You can get all that in the video version. We call it Rebel News Plus. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. And in addition to my nightly show, you get four weekly shows by the rest of our team and the eight bucks a month, which is only half the price of Netflix. It really supports us. I got to tell you, we rely on it because we don't take any dough from the government. We're one of the few media who don't. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, if the lockdowns are over, why is Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky still in jail? It's March 14th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. Jason Kenney says the lockdown is over and that everyone should just get over it already. And uh, I I would just say I'm not quite sure what the protest is about because Alberta effectively does not have any more public health measures. They've all been lifted some time ago. And um, I uh, would suggest that that maybe people could find more productive ways of uh, expressing their their frustration. But maybe here's an idea. How about we all just move on from the frustration of COVID? How about we leave it in the rearview mirror? I mean, there are still some remaining federal travel restrictions, which we think are are wrong. Uh, we, we have a, legis- a motion in the legislature calling on the federal government to drop the pointless uh, federal travel restrictions. Um, but I, I guess the point I would make is we could spend the rest of our lives in this society arguing over COVID, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Or we could just move forward. And here's the good news. Alberta's emerging into a period of dynamic economic growth. There's lots of good news now and on the horizon. I say let's embrace that, that positive future as opposed to uh, getting stuck in the division of the past two years. Every family, every community, business, faith group, we all know people have been divided over COVID. Uh, Let's stop accentuating the division. Let's find ways to come together uh, as Albertans. Got it. So please forget what he's done for the past two years. Please forget what he said you had to do, what he did to you. Please forget how he... And the ruling class, not just in Alberta, but across the country, exempted themselves from their own lockdown laws. Please forget that the term lockdown had heretofore only been used to describe prisoners locked in their prison cells as a form of collective punishment by an all-powerful prison warden. And now it's being used to lock innocent people like you down to tell you if and when and where you could go out of your own home and indeed who you could even have in your home. Of course, Jason Kenney himself didn't follow those rules. None of the politicians did. 
None of Kenny's team did. His own cabinet ministers broke the rules. So many of them were caught. His own chief of staff broke the rules. By the way, when that chief of staff received, when he, was, when he resigned in disgrace, he still received his full severance. In other words, he got a massive cash reward for breaking the rules that he enforced on others. Were any of these ruling elites charged with an offense, let alone jailed? Are you kidding me? That's for the little people. Little people like Arthur Pavlovsky. We just unveiled a large billboard on the side of the busiest highway in Alberta, the main route between Calgary and Edmonton, pointing out a brutal fact that Jason Kenney has used the pandemic as an excuse to lock down and lock up more Christian pastors than even communist China did. Because I should tell you, Pastor Arthur Pawlowski is in prison even now as I say these words. Why is Alberta, that claims to be the freest province in Canada, whose motto is strong and free, that's led by a premier who, when he was a federal cabinet minister, actually claimed to speak for religious freedoms. Why is it literally the most anti-Christian government in the world in regards to churches and lockdowns, and still is today? Did China arrest and jail Christian pastors using the lockdowns as a pretext? So our reporter, Sidney Fizard, attended a press conference by Kenny the other day, and he put a question uh, along those lines to Kenny. Here, watch uh, watch the whole exchange. Uh, hey there, Sid Bizarre with Rebel News. Um, I'm not sure if my question would be best directed towards you, uh, but right now, of course, you're investing in religious infrastructure, but I think many around the province have the a concern that you may not be uh, best protecting their religious freedoms, as we've seen with Pastor Arthur Pulowski. Uh, he still remains behind bars. This is well over 30 days. Uh, if you could just comment on that situation and maybe uh, perhaps ease some concerns or just uh, give some light to that situation. So in, in Canada, we have something called the rule of law, where courts are responsible for adjudicating uh, criminal charges against individuals, not politicians. So uh, we have an independent judiciary. Uh, that individual, I understand, uh, has been uh, detained under uh, uh, by the police because of multiple breaches of terms of release, uh, court orders, uh, as well as uh, an incitement to an alleged incitement to violence uh, at the Coots border crossing blockade, and so uh, that individual has all of the rights of any individual uh, under the Canadian legal system. Uh, they are presumed uh, guilty, and sorry, excuse me, presumed innocent until proven guilty. Of course, in our system of law and uh, they have a right to access to counsel. Uh, they have all of the, that individual or any other individual has all of the same legal rights as anybody. So this is a matter that is before the courts. Um, and, um, uh, you know, as, as, as a more general comment, um, I would just suggest that going to a very tense combustible situation and uh, inciting people to be willing to die and commit acts of violence uh, for their cause is uh, um, very likely to have legal consequences. And I would suggest that, uh, you know, nobody is, uh, is above the law. No politician, no um, person that calls themselves a pastor is above the law. The rule of law applies equally to everybody in our system of the rule of law. Got it. So we have an independent judiciary, independent courts. It's all just so normal and so standard, you see. So... This shocking takedown of Pastor Arthur 
on the highway, a dozen police cars, heavily armed SWAT team. That's all just normal stuff, rule of law stuff, really just nothing abnormal about it, nothing political about it. No, sir, just really, really normal you, things you see every day. No vendetta at here. Why would you ask such a thing? And anyways, the courts say it's fine. So it's fine. Like that one judge, Adam Germain, who literally ordered Pastor Arthur to stop criticizing the lockdowns. And if he did criticize them, he was legally ordered to immediately denounce himself and read out a little script that that same judge, Adam Germain himself, wrote. So Pastor Arthur gives a sermon in his church. He would then have to read what Adam Germain, the judge, wrote right afterwards to denounce himself. If he gave a media interview, he would have to self-denounce right afterwards. Yeah, totally normal stuff. This is the rule of law, don't you know? <laughs> I mean, Arthur had a lawyer and everything, so it's okay. It's just fine. Here, here's how the whole thing started, by the way, with Pastor Arthur nearly two years ago. As I told you before, he was... Client number one in the Fight the Fines project, I saw this video of him being pushed around, physically pushed by police, and given a huge ticket for having an illegal gathering. That's what they called him feeding homeless people. Remember this? This is not a event. This is not your picnic in a neighborhood for the fun of it. We are providing necessities of life to those that you and your bosses refuse to provide. You got all kinds of events happening right now, and yet the Calvary's finest are not bothering them. This is the hypocrisy of this city. This is the hypocrisy of our wonderful, fearless leaders. Where is Nahat Nenshi, the mayor of this city? They were ready to tackle me down. I was there with my wife. I, I, I really thought I'm going to be arrested. And um, $1,200 ticket was given to me. And I was told, I was threatened that if I ever show up again, more is coming up to $1 million. Can you imagine? Yeah, rule of law. A Christian pastor gets a $1,000 fine and physically pushed around by some bully cops for helping the poor. Rule of law. What, what are you complaining about? <laughs> um the premier and health minister have a boozy party in a private restaurant that only they can go to on the top of their skyscraper. It's called the Sky Palace and nothing, no arrests, no tickets, no cops pushing anyone around, no SWAT style takedown, <laughs> no, no prison, that's for sure. Um, but it's as Kenny said. You know, nobody is, uh, is above the law. No politician, no... Um person that calls himself a pastor is above the law. The rule of law applies equally to everybody in our system of the rule of law. The rule of law sure applies, doesn't it? But that first part where Kenny accuses Pastor Arthur of inciting violence, that's when Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky went down to Coots, Alberta, the border cross between Alberta in Montana, where, where there was a blockade. And Pastor Arthur gave a bit of a sermon, a bit of a pep talk, a bit of a political speech to the truckers. Now, he himself did not blockade anything. He didn't participate in the blockade. He came to preach, really. But here's how Kenny described it. Let's hear that part again. I would just suggest that going to a very tense, combustible situation 
and uh, inciting people to be willing to die and commit acts of violence uh, for their cause is uh, um, very likely to have legal consequences. Does that sound like Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky to you? You know, I probably listened cumulatively to 25 hours of Arthur Pavlovsky through the course of my life. That's a lot of Arthur. And I have never once heard him counsel violence, never once. Uh, I mean, he raises his voice, that's for sure. He can marshal the language in direct words of at someone harshly, that's for sure, words. But inciting violence, I've never heard of it. I mean, this is more his style. Get out of this property immediately, get out. Get out of this property immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. 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 Out of this property. Immediately out. Immediately go out and don't come back. I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. Out of this out of this property immediately. Out. I don't care what you have to say. Out. Out. Out of this property, you Nazis. Out. Out. Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not allowed. Out. Do you understand English? Get out of this property. Go. So go. Go. And don't come back without the warrant. Out, Nazi. Out. Now that's being angry, but that's not violence. That's just hollering with a bit of a righteousness. But you heard Kenny. Going to a very tense, combustible situation and uh, inciting people to be willing to die and commit acts of violence uh, for their cause. Did he really do that? Well, I got to tell you, I hadn't actually watched Pastor Arthur's speech to the truckers before. So yesterday, after I saw Kenny's comments, you know, his description of it sounded pretty shocking. And, well, you know, that just didn't jive with what I know about Arthur. Seriously, going down there and telling people to die and be killed or, or, or get violent? You sure? No, it's just another lie. Here, now it was a 19-minute speech spoken in a restaurant, not even at the blockade itself. If you followed our Coots coverage, you'll recognize this restaurant. Arthur was basically giving a dinner talk, a pep talk. You can find the whole 19-minute speech for yourself on Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky's Facebook page. That's where I found it yesterday. But here's a sample of a few of his points. Now, I promise I'm not taking anything out of context or leaving out any calls to violence. I just want to give you a flavor for the speech. The shipyard in Gdańsk. And there were groups of people, and like Valenza, got everything he wanted and he was ready with a piece of paper coming out saying we've won we got it and there were bus drivers outside and the train drivers outside and they said so you've won your rights what about our rights and he stopped 
Will you, and this is why you have this famous solidarity movement, because when he was stopped, he looked at the people, they were outside, under the hammer of the boots of the Soviets, and he said, yeah, you're right, we, we got what we wanted, but what about you? And here is this lady, this is what she said. Will you stand in solidarity with the rest of us? Because you guys got what you wanted, but what about us? So when I decided to come here, I'm risking to be arrested at every moment, everywhere I go. The criminal charges on me, left and right, we lost count of the charges I have right now. But I decided to come here because I believe that the eyes of the world are fixed on this place, right here. Just before we are going to get our freedom, I'm telling you, give up. Right before thousands of people are willing to come to support you. Now you're going to abandon them. What are you going to say? Oh, we've changed our plans? What are you going to say to those today and yesterday? Every single minute, I got thousands of messages. Thousands. I mean, this thing never stops. People saying, we're coming to courts. We're coming to the Milk River. We're coming to support. We're bringing in. What do you need? What do they need? We're coming. Thousands upon thousands of people are coming. They don't have enough RCMP officers to deal with that. They don't have enough army to deal with that. Remember, you have the power now. Do not give it away. There was an order to shoot the protesters, to kill them. But because of the American media, they backed away from doing this because they knew the whole world will see what is happening in Gdansk. In 1980. Right now, the whole eyes of the entire world are fixed on this little place. And you can do the right thing, or you can pack and honk around parliaments, legislature, fine. But I'm telling you, they're honking around parliament right now for a week. How long are we going to be honking? For a month? For two? They're not really afraid of our honks, what they're afraid of is this people coming together and paralyzing their system polish people did it the right way they said we shall not cooperate with the villains we do not work for the kjb and russians we will not work for you anymore in fact you could see that arthur pavlovsky took pains to repeat that if he used vigorous language it was only metaphorical, it was only figurative, not literal, he used the word like fight, but he immediately explained three times that he meant only a peaceful revolution, a peaceful fight. Here's a few instances of that, just to show you what I mean. It's about time for Canadians to rise up and start roaring. Let's go! You see, this image, this image right here, it was the most powerful thing I could ever do. And it went viral all over the world because it showed simply me on my knees on the middle, in the middle of the highway, being taken by SWAT team. Why? For inciting people to come to church, participating in illegal church gathering, and officiating a church service? Who do those people think they are? Yeah. 
Who do you think they are? Tell me, who do you think you are? If you don't do that, if you don't do that, you be very careful because you have never seen an angry Albertan yet. And I'm again not talking about violence, I'm not talking about swords and guns and all that stuff. You've got the most powerful wings ever. Who can move thousand trucks? Who can move 10,000 truckers? We can. With 100,000 supporters. I am calling right now every Albertan not to go to, not to go to Edmonton, but to come here. Thank you. Come here. I know what I'm talking about. I know because I lived through it. And I'm telling you for the sake of your children, here is your opportunity to hold the force. Do not break the line. Don't do it. And may God, may God help us all because we don't fight with guns and swords. We don't fight with tasers and, and, the, and the police vehicles. We don't. We just want to go back and work hard and achieve something and provide for our families. We just want to be left alone. There is no way to watch that 19-minute sermon pep talk speech and possibly conclude that he was inciting violence. It, no chance. I'm sorry. That is a lie. If I had 19 minutes, I would show you the whole thing for yourself right now. Go find it. That's just like when Jason Kenney said those same Coots truckers rammed a vehicle into a cop. Remember when he said that? It was a lie. Uh, I've also received reports uh, in the last hour of people uh, allied with the protesters assaulting RCMP officers, including in one instance trying to ram members of the RCMP, uh, later leading to a collision with a civilian uh, vehicle uh, in the area. This kind of conduct is totally unacceptable. It was such a lie that the RCMP themselves felt compelled to refute the lie. No one rammed anyone. Kenny was lying. It was a regular fender bender. There was no political motive behind it. Here are the cops calling out Kenny's lie. Of any physical altercation between uh, RCMP officers and protesters. Yesterday, when um, we had protesters go around and breach the uh, roadblock set up on Highway 4 to the north, um, there was some public safety concerns there and officer safety concerns there that took place. Their vehicles traveled through ditches and through fields to get uh, around the roadblock and then onto Highway 4. They were traveling southbound on Highway 4 in the northbound lanes. And that was happening at the same time we had a few vehicles leaving the protest and traveling northbound in the northbound lanes. So we had a uh, traffic meeting head on on the uh, double lane highway there. Uh, we did have a collision take place, uh, a head-on collision occurred as a result of all this um, between a person trying to reach the blockade and a person who was just traveling north on the highway. Unfortunately, it was a relatively minor collision, um, but a confrontation which led to an assault took place as a direct result of that collision. And that was an assault on an RCMP officer? 
was an assault between the two, two, two civilians, between a protester and a civilian. So Jason Kenney's statement was not true uh, at the press release? I can tell you what I just told you, sir. Okay, alright, and can I get your name and badge number, please? Uh, you can have my name, it's Corporal okay. Curtis Peters. I'm the spokesperson here. My badge number is 52957. I've never been asked that before. <laughs> <laughs> Standard procedure, Ross. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, things aren't back to normal in Alberta. It is not normal to keep a Christian pastor in prison because of a health order. And it is not just part of a normal rule of law system that keeps hounding Arthur again and again and following him with the SWAT team. Sorry, that's not normal. Those are political instructions issued by the premier to the health minister, which then instructs a special health prosecutor to go after Arthur. There's nothing normal about it. Now, they've been doing this for two years. You saw that first instance. They haven't stopped. Jason Kenny jails Christian pastors. Pass it on. Well, I thought we would talk to Sid Fizard, our reporter, who asked that question to Jason Kenny. And you'll remember that Sid, along with Kean K2 Simone, was down there in Coots, embedded with the truckers for almost the entire time. In fact, uh, I, I have to check, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if they were actually at Pastor Arthur's pep talk speech sermon when he was down there. Joining us now via Skype from Calgary is Sydney. Sid, great to see you again. Thanks for your work on this. By the way, where was your question to Jason Kenney? Was it a, a press conference in Calgary? Was it an online thing? I'm glad you were there. Just curious, where was it? Absolutely. Uh, I forget the exact name of the church, but it was one that we've covered before. Uh, they had dealt with some arson uh, incidents previously. It was a small Filipino-Vietnamese church here in Calgary. Got it. So you were there, and you put the question to him. I saw his answer. I just played it uh, for our viewers. Um, it sounds like he's saying, look, that's just normal. This guy's a petty criminal or a repeat criminal who's incited violence. He belongs in jail. This is normal, 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 rule of law, normal, normal. I don't think there's a bloody thing that's normal about uh, Pastor Arthur. Uh, yesterday, I rewatched his whole speech, Sid. There wasn't a single call to violence at all. In fact, there were three specific calls to be peaceful. Um, I think that Jason Kenney is lying about Arthur Pavlovsky because otherwise, it's irreconcilable. Jason Kenney claims to love free freedom of religion and free speech, but he's actually got a political prisoner in his jails. If he doesn't lie, something's going to break. Like, it's just, you can't, it's an irreconcilable fact. What do you think? Yeah, well, no, that's exactly it. And unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to ask about uh, Pastor Tim Stevens or Pastor James Coates, who have suffered similar fates. Um, although, I guess conveniently with me just asking about Arthur, uh, he was able to go down that specific track. But realistically, uh, his investment in religious infrastructure comes at the cost of religious liberties. You know, that's a great point because although, I mean, they're lying about Arthur Pavlovsky when they say he incited violence. I, I tell you, I watched that 19 speech yesterday, 19 minute speech yesterday, hunting. Like, I thought, uh oh, what did he? I was like nervous and embarrassed, assuming it might be true. No, I watched the whole 19. He never once called for violence. He talked about violence being done 
to the truckers. He talked about uh, the history of Poland and their solidarity movement. It was absurd to say it was incitement of violence. But I'm glad you reminded me of those other pastors, two other Calgary pastors, as peaceful as doves. Um, James Coates, who turned himself in, 35 days in prison. Tim Stevens in Calgary. No one would even for a second think that they, I mean, there's not a violent bone in their body. They're very uh, mild-mannered compared to Arthur. And they were thrown in prison too. Kenny is trying to pretend that this is normal. It is not normal, Sid. No, that's exactly it. It's not normal whatsoever. And uh, to your point about his speech down there in Coots, uh, he uttered a, a, a parallel speech while we were in Milk River, and we interviewed him there, uh, where, again, he made a parallel speech to the one he made down there in Coots. And that's exactly uh, it. what you were saying about he's calling for peaceful resolution. He's calling for pe- peaceful protest. Uh, not, there's nothing that he sees as beneficial from a violent uh, taking back of our freedoms, and he's not advocating for that once that I've seen whatsoever. Yeah, you know, I knew Arthur Pavlovsky before this whole thing started two years ago. In fact, I did a story about him at the Sun News Network. I'm talking 10 years ago now. So he's like, I I can't say I've known him well, but I, I had an eye on him. I interviewed him before. Um, he was at a weekend event I was at once. So when I say I've heard him talk for 25 hours, I think that's probably accurate. And not just at in a burst, like over 10 years. The guy is vigorous in his views, and he's noisy, let's say. And he says, we're the lions, and they're the hyenas, and the jackals. Like, he uses colorful imagery. He calls his opponents Gestapo. And I'll give him a license for that. I mean, the guy comes from Poland, which was under Nazi and then Soviet domination. But I've never in my life heard him incite violence. That's why I knew when Kenny said it, it was a lie that I had to go check. He simply has never in his life said a word to violence. And and I think it's a terrible lie. I think he's a political prisoner. I'm really mad about it, Sid. No, I, I, and I don't blame you. I mean, uh, just, uh, I believe the day before, actually, I was speaking with Nathaniel Kowalski, uh, who reminded me that, uh, well, today now, I believe it's almost 35 days. So uh, moving forward, he will be the most persecuted of the three pastors uh, when it comes to jail time. Uh, and again, with that history, seeing what went down in Poland, I think uh, it's fair to say why he's so vocal about what he believes in is because he's seen this firsthand, and this isn't the first time. Uh, so it is a shame, and it's unfortunate that uh, Jason Kenney even said that twice uh, during that answer, that Arthur Pulowski had uh, incited violence or had called for people to uh, die on this hill, so to speak, but in a more detrimental way is how Jason Kenney put it, uh, whereas Arthur Pulowski hold the line. It's a very peaceful statement. It says, do what you're doing. You're doing it peacefully, and you should continue doing it peacefully. You know, Sid, I got to tell you, I'm thinking back 20 years or so, 25 years, to my first day in court as a baby lawyer. I was in criminal docket court in Edmonton, and I was an articling student, as it was called. So there's a pecking order. The Queen's Counsel go first, then the senior lawyers. It's sort of, it's, but that's good because you go last, so you sit and you learn from everyone in front of you. I mean, I didn't really like going last, Sid, but if you have to listen to 90 minutes of court before you get on your feet, that's part of your education as a young lawyer. So I was there for some minor matter I don't even remember. It was my first day in court. But I saw a man get sentenced for sexually assaulting a child. And that sentence, I'm trying to remember the exactitudes of it. 
after parole, I think that man would be out in like 10 days or something. I think he got two months. And the reason I tell you that is that Arthur Pavlovsky and James Coates, these Christian pastors, none of whom are charged with the crime, the, other, the underlying offenses are not crimes. These health orders are not criminal law. And they have served more time and hard time. These are, these are maximum security facilities. They're in, in the Arthur's case, he's still in solitary confinement. I want to tell you, they have, and they haven't been convicted of anything yet. They have already served more hard time than convicted sexual assaulters in this country. Now, part of that goes to how lenient we are with sexual assault. But it's shocking that these Christian pastors have spent more time in prison than convicted rapists. That's a fact. And it's especially unfortunate. I mean, even uh, this reminds me of the, bandi- the pardon me, the ban- beginning of the so-called pandemic. Uh, wherein, especially in the States, we were seeing a lot of sex offenders were just being released for the sake of it, uh, to alleviate the uh, uh, size of those being held in these facilities. And now we're seeing Pastor Arthur Pulaski uh, and other pastors being imprisoned for weeks on end for, as you say, these aren't really crimes that we would expect. These are breaches of the public health and safety acts and orders that come into place. So it's really unfortunate, and it speaks to a sort of uh, flipping of our judicial system. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. I mean, I remember that Edmonton Remand Center with, where Pastor Coates was put. If I recall, they released 400 violent criminals because of COVID, but they put Pastor Coates in. I want to shift gears. I'm mad about that, and Kenny's lying about it. I, I think he should pay a political price for it, not just for the lie, but for the underlying political pris- imprisonment. But I saw something on Twitter by the new mayor of Calgary, who's just as bad as the old mayor of Calgary. The new mayor's name is Jody Gondek. And every week, as you know, because I think you've covered a lot of them, there's a freedom protest in Calgary, which you would hope for in Canada's you know, most conservative city. And they're peaceful. But Jody Gondek, in this Twitter rant, as mayor, now she could say I disagree with them or I agree with them or I for them or against them. That's her right. But she talked about policing. And when the mayor says, and it will put on the screen this series of tweets, when the mayor says I'm sick of these people and this isn't a real protest and they, they don't have a permit and I'm sick of this, if she was saying I disagree or agree, that's one thing. And that's her right as a mayor. But when she is the mayor basically says, police, I'm furious with you for not smacking some heads like they did in Ottawa. I think she's dangerous. I think she wants to get a bit abusive like the Ottawa police. And that was her signal to one of the worst police forces in Canada, the Calgary police. I'm worried there's going to be violence at the next freedom protest, Sid. And it's not going to be from the protesters. It's going to be from corrupt cops doing what their political masters say. Well, and that may even be a case of what we've seen this past weekend, where uh, it was really weird how Calgary police handled the situation. Uh, At first, there was a few individuals counter-protesting closer uh, to the Freedom Rally gathering point, uh, and they got pushed out of the way with bicycles. Uh, And then as they slowly approached the counter-protest group, the bulk of them that were blocking the street, uh, the Calgary police basically allowed the Freedom Rally to be on both sides of the police line. Basically, uh, it was the Freedom Rally, it was the police line, it was another police line, it was the counter-protest, and then it was the Freedom Rally again. Um, so 
they really didn't do a good job at handling the situation. Um, and I don't know if, like, usually the police try and take a, a tactical uh, style of enforcement where they're trying to do things in a way that is logistically uh, tenable to amending the situation. But in this case, they seem to have been doing the opposite. Um, so, and it's interesting, though, that Jyoti, I'm going to mispronounce her name, uh, but the Calgary mayor, um, it's interesting that she wants more police enforcement. I think what happened is she saw that Calgary police were using bicycles against the counter-protesters, and she thought, hold on, they should be using these bicycles against the Freedom Rally protesters, yeah. which I think is a bit perverted in its own regard. Uh, but that seems to be the stand she's taking. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of bad things are about to happen. I tell you, um, we've had some atrocious policing for two years as police have allowed themselves to run political errands and been turned into mask scolds. Maybe they've forgotten how to do regular police work. I don't know, Sid. It's, I, I guess my point of my whole show today is that we're not quite out of these lockdowns yet. We're certainly not out of the lockdown mentality. Thanks for going there. And stay safe and keep your eyes peeled this weekend because I'm, I'm worried bad things are going to happen. The mayor basically called for it. And, and it's on the, if, if there is blood, God forbid, it's on her hands. Keep at it, Sid. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a pleasure, and it's a pleasure to be speaking with all of us. Right on. Thanks very much. There you have it, Sid Fizard, our reporter in Calgary. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your viewer feedback. W.T. Keaton says... The biolabs are probably the biggest issue in Ukraine now. The countries with over half the world population are demanding answers. There will be a ceasefire in a week or two, but the lab issue and the investigation will be with us for years. It was very strange. I first heard about the biolabs not from Russia, but from the Undersecretary of State in America testifying in the U.S. Congress and it was Marco Rubio that was asking the question. I just want to show that to you for a second. Take a look. Well, um, I only have a minute left. Let me ask you, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. That was very weird. And what's come out since, I have no idea what is in those biolabs. I have no idea if we were outsourcing, we, if the United States was outsourcing some sort of chemical weapon or bioweapons program to Ukraine. I know we've learned from Anthony Fauci's ties to the Wuhan lab that we should be extremely skeptical about these things. I don't know what the truth is, but the fact that I heard it confessed to by an undersecretary of state in America tells me there is a lot more looking into we have to do there. Wolfgang von Zubes says, 
No violence against civilians. However, the Montreal Sympathy, Symphony, excuse me, Symphony dropped a Russian pianist, Alexander Maloliev, for just being Russian. He denounced the Russian invasion, even though it shouldn't matter if he did. But even denouncing the invasion didn't matter. So it's okay in Canada to discriminate based on ethnicity now, it would seem. When you say there's no violence, you're referring to here in Canada. And I hope that remains the case. It's really insane. Like, I mean, Russia means a lot of things. It's an ethnicity. It's a language. It's a country. Yes, it is a political system that today is invading Ukraine. Of course it is. But to denounce anyone just with a Russian name or a Russian past or even they're renaming Russian dressing or, you know, I mean, seriously, it, it's just absurd. Um, the Russophobia, it, it really is crazy, the mania out there. Um, so much of it is virtue signaling. Almost none of it will have any effect on the war itself. How does, you know, I, I saw a college drop a course on a Russian writer named Dostoevsky who was born and died before the Soviet Union was even a thing, um, you're just not going to learn Russian literature now in the Russian literature department because Putin's invading Ukraine. All right, got it. Um, at 62 says, what about the UK and Germany not letting Russians get medical treatment? Seems like a bigger deal to me. Yes, I've been looking into this. It's insane. That violates the Hippocratic Oath. I would say it violates the Geneva Conventions. As you may know, there's several Geneva Conventions. A lot of them touch on how to treat the other side in a wartime. Now, obviously, these are not wounded soldiers in Germany, but you're seriously not giving any medical service to Russians. And by the way, who are the Russians in Berlin? I got to tell you. A lot of them happen to be Jews, you know. I mean, Germany, of course, uh, got rid of most of its Jews in the Holocaust. But last I looked it up, there were 100,000 Jews in Berlin, most of them from the former, former Soviet Union. And Germany was sort of pleased to have Jews back in Germany. They were sort of proud. And it was a, a way of healing, I suppose. Well, who do you think is the bulk of the people that the hospital was refusing? Just super, super gross. Um, you can be against anti-Russian discrimination without being pro-Putin or for this invasion. I think there's a madness out there. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with this video of the day from Jeremy uh, Lafredo who is with the U.S. truckers on their convoy. Interesting story. Um, the truckers are not uh, having their demands met, and there's a bit of a rebellion within the truckers. Some of the leadership wants to stay calm. Others want to ratchet up their protests. Here's Jeremy. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm Jeremy Lafredo on assignment for Rebel News in Hagerstown, Maryland. Behind me is U.S. trucker convoy. They're scheduled to leave tomorrow morning for Washington, D.C. and protest an end to vaccine mandates. Only 70 miles from D.C., the U.S. trucker convoy, or the People's Convoy, is setting up camp in Hagerstown, Maryland tonight as they allow smaller convoys to join and as the truckers plan the strategy and logistics of bringing hundreds of giant vehicles to the capital area. As the convoy's final trek approaches, I asked truckers and convoy organizers how far they're willing to go to achieve their goals, namely the ending of trucker vaccine mandates and the repealing of the Federal Emergency Act, which allows the federal government to impose such mandates and dictates without democratic oversight. There's a noticeably different tone and philosophy espoused by the truckers compared to that of the organizers. While both parties aim for the protest to be peaceful, the organizers' plan is to take a more civil and leveled approach involving daily slow rolls around Washington, D.C.'s largest highway, regrouping every night 60 miles west of the city. 
While the truckers that have joined the convoy see themselves engaging in a more civil disobedience style protest in Washington, D.C., similar to that of the Canadian convoy. Co-organizer Brian Brazzi explained his plan to me. So in the morning, we're going to be meeting with all the convoy drivers, the actual people driving in the convoy. We're going to be meeting with them, and tomorrow the plan is to kind of flex our muscle a little bit, let them know that we're here, and that we're not going to just sit still in one location. Um, so tomorrow we plan on doing two loops around the Capitol Beltway just to let them know, how, just so they can see how big we are, and that we're um, we're serious. It's time to listen to the people, and so we're gonna we're gonna parade around the Beltway so they can see just exactly how big and how many vehicles we got. Truckers shared how far they believe they'd go to accomplish their aims. I'm gonna stay until I go to jail or die, probably. Uh, it might end up differently halfway through. Something might change. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm there for the long haul. We have to go there and have some kind of effect. This isn't just a road trip. This is to really have an effect to make changes in this government and get us back to our founding principles. And I think you could ask anyone here and they'd tell you that same thing. There is no reverse. There is no backing down. We're going forward and forward. Backing down is just not in the vocabulary. It's not an option. If we don't move, the, the world stops. Until we get what we want, we shouldn't move at all. I'm doing nothing illegal. Uh, I don't plan on doing anything illegal, but I'm going to be heard. Uh, uh, and there's a there's a pretty good group of us here, as you can see, uh, you know, similar to what happened in Canada. Uh, and yeah, I'm with them. I'm, I'm here for the duration. We're actually have to raise up against the government and let them know peacefully, but let them know that we're not going to take it anymore. If our actions are not hurting nobody, I don't see where they can have a leg to stand on. And we're not going to hurt anybody doing this. If we park these things and turn the keys off, pull our knives out and cut the damn tires off of them, good luck on towing them. Our government has gotten out of control. They forgot that we work for the people. They're supposed to represent us, not rule over us. And until they re are reminded in whatever fashion is necessary, that they work for us, it'll never change. Someone's got to stand up for our kids and our grandkids because it's got to stop. This Emergency Powers Act, why is that in place? Where's the emergency? So, yeah, it's it's all the way. If I had to, I'd stick with these men and, and all Americans to the death because liberty is worth that. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Um, and God bless you all for what you did on coverage for what happened in Canada. Uh, you guys were the only ones that I seen actually covering the real truth. So bless you all for that. I'm afraid of this government, but I would be arrested. I mean, I, I'm not going to do anything to cause my, myself to be arrested. But if they go like nuclear like they did up in Canada, we can't stand for that. The, the government works for us and we are we're not afraid. I'm not scared. I don't care what they try. You know, it's we, we can we're in here for the long haul. Every time I have doubts, we go under another overpass. Or we go go buy another field where the farmer's standing out there watching us go by. Or or we pull into into a stop like tonight. And all of these people, you know as well as they do, it's a little chilly outside right now. But they're standing out there waiting for us. And the doubt goes away. I asked Brazi if he believed the rest of the convoy would be content doing loops on the highway and returning to their parking lot. 
No. And they shouldn't be content with that. They should want more. They should demand more. <laughs> they should strive for more. What I would say to those drivers is that we have a process that we're working through diplomatically. We're not going to ever bend the knee to them. Ever. We have our demands. You know what we want. And that's what we're here to achieve. Doing one or two loops around the beltway is not enough. It'll never be enough. But we're trying to show restraint. Trying to show compromise. Trying to make our legislators understand that we are flexible and that we're willing to come to the table to negotiate these things. To go out there and just shut everything down like that gets us nowhere except for dragged out of our trucks and beat on the street. And we want to avoid that at all possible, if at all possible. Babrazi's plan is original. He explained that DC can expect the convoy to slow roll the DC Beltway on a daily basis. I think you could expect us to arrive daily from this, from tomorrow on. Um, and, and we don't care how long it'll take. And if you still don't hear us, then we'll come a little closer. Thank you.